So Money, episode 945, Claire Wasserman, founder of Ladies Get Paid. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Going to this party, this older guy comes up to me, smiling, puts out his hand and just says, hi, whose wife are you? And it was this moment of, I don't know, the record scratching. And it was like, are you kidding me? And that one moment in time inspired our guest today to start a business, helping women earn more money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We are joined by Claire Wasserman today. She's the founder of Ladies Get Paid, a career development platform that helps women negotiate for pay and power at work. Yes, please. She has spent many years traveling the country hosting town halls for thousands of women to talk about money, work, and self-worth. She's currently working on a book to be published next year by Simon & Schuster. And this fall in November, if you are in or around Brooklyn, join us. Me and Claire and many other women will be at the Ladies Get Paid Conference, an all-day event in Brooklyn on November 2nd that promises to give you all the actionable advice, inspiration, and connections to make more and to be more powerful in your career. Stay tuned for more on how to join and get a discount on those tickets. Very excited to introduce to you the one and only Claire Wasserman. Claire Wasserman, welcome to So Money. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very honored to be speaking at your conference later in November, November 2nd. We've been talking about it in some promotions on this podcast, but finally got Claire on the podcast to tell us all about Ladies Get Paid in this great conference. I just want to give a shout out to it early on in this episode so that you can get your tickets while they last. November 2nd in Brooklyn, ladiesgetpaid.com slash so money, and then use so money 15 for 15% off your ticket. You can probably do that while you're listening to this podcast. Claire, I am so in awe of you and what you have built with Ladies Get Paid. This, I understand, was a business that you started following an experience that you had that was pretty unsettling. Um, You went to um, a conference in France and some words were said and it was not pleasant. And you kind of came back and wrote an essay about that experience, which then became kind of the seed that you planted, which built this amazing community called Ladies Get Paid, uh, a business that's helping people, women in particular, learn how to make more money through workshops and events. But tell us about all those years ago, now maybe, I don't know, four years ago, when you first experienced that thing and I want you to describe it, that kind of (laughs) erupted something inside you that made you want to make a movement out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, God. Okay. Well, so just to sort of preface all of this, I am somebody who I guess never considered herself a feminist or I don't know. I had a complete misconception about what a feminist was. I think I assumed, I don't know, that I meant I had to hate men or something like that. Um, I, I also assumed that things were equal, that, you know, the fight for women's equality was done, you know, that my mom who had been the second or third class of women in college, you know, she was the groundbreaker and, you know, her hard work 
work allowed me to enter the workforce. Um, and I assumed, you know, that there was no wage gap, that, you know, leadership would be 50-50 women, right? Because when I went to college, it was 50-50 men and women. Uh, well, that was wrong. Uh, and I, I didn't really get that wake-up call until I had this experience in France, you know, and it wasn't that big of an experience, um, but it was enough for me to start researching women in the workplace. I walk into this party. It was the first night I was there. I should mention that this is a conference for people in advertising and the folks that go tend to be the, the people who are at the top. So the CEOs, the executive directors of major brands, advertising agencies, right? So because they're the people at the top, it was pretty much white men. And then there was me. Go into this party. This older guy comes up to me, smiling, puts out his hand and just says, hi, whose wife are you? And it was this moment of, I don't know, the record scratching. And it was like, are you kidding me? And the entire experience of that conference was just one conversation after another of basically not being taken seriously. Right? I'm a young woman. Right? I was there for business. Absolutely. I was there to get business, which, by the way, definitely contributes to the power dynamic. I needed these men to give me business. And so when you're having a conversation with folks who are in power and you need them for something, it puts you in a situation where, you know, you kind of just have to smile. And, and, you know, if they're making jokes that are kind of gross, right, or objectifying you, how do you handle that? And after that week, that conference, you know, I went home and I reflected on it. And I wrote this essay that was, you know, less about what I experienced, but more about trying to process it, um, finding myself self-blaming, wondering if in those moments where I was objectified, you know, had I contributed to that? Maybe my dress was too short, right? All of this sort of self-blaming that women tend to do. Um, and I didn't have the guts to publish my essay. I, I considered it. I just felt like, you know, being public uh, might make me lose jobs. I, I thought men would look at me like I was angry or man-hating or, you know, again, I was sort of falling into this stereotype of if you speak out about wanting equality, does that mean you're inherently against men? And I was worried that I would be looked at that way. But the game changer for me that really started Ladies Get Paid was that I shared my essay with friends. And, and my girlfriends asked if they could share it with their friends. And every time somebody shared it, usually that person would write me back with their story. And my essay became almost viral in our inboxes. And this very long chain kind of grew and grew of all of these women that I didn't know basically saying me too. And this was this is about four years ago, right? And this was a time when nobody was talking about the wage gap. Think Hillary. I don't know if that point she'd even considered running for office. I mean, she probably had considered it, but we didn't know. You know, I don't, I don't think it was around the election time. Though when I did finally start Ladies Get Paid, it was around 2016. People were beginning to talk more about these issues. Um, and, and how I started it was just simply getting a bunch of women in a room. And, and facilitating a conversation about money. And the reason I picked money, and I know this is this is your your world, I picked money because it really is everything. It's power, it's influence, it's worth, it's value, it's freedom, you know, and and it's taboo. And that's what I was interested in is taking something that, you know, is a conversation that either happens in the shadows or doesn't happen at all for a lot of women and bring it 
you know, putting a light on it and asking women to, to be vulnerable about what money means to them and then to give each other advice, to share, to share stories with each other. You know, there, we knew there was going to be a time for a workshop and for experts, right? But, but to begin with, let's just talk about it. Uh, and that is how everything started. And how are you measuring whether the the needle is actually moving in the right direction, the direction that we want? You know, the wage gap is still, by some measures, you know, 80 cents for every dollar. And then if you're a woman of color, it's a chasm. It's much more than that. On the other hand, you're seeing a lot more transparency around sharing income levels and talking about money and talking about negotiating, which Ladies Get Paid is doing a big, is part of that in a big way. So how, what's the measure right now and how, how are we doing as a society? Ugh, well, okay. So something we've had to, to tell everybody over and over again is that progress is not linear. So just because we might see, you know, the needle moving in a good direction in certain areas, um, doesn't mean that it will inherently keep getting better from there. Um, we've seen that, um, looking from the seventies up until now, you know, the numbers of women, uh, coming into the workforce, rising up, the wage gap, um, getting funding. The 90s, we flatlined. Um, More recently, women have gotten less money from VCs, though there was a push in in recent years. So, you know, so I'm personally not feeling that positive when I look kind of holistically, that bird's eye view of how we're doing, Uh, particularly when it comes to public policy. uh, There was definitely progress that was made a couple of years ago. Um, Obama enacted a law that required companies of 500 employees or more to be transparent about how much they're paying folks, right? Breaking it down by, by gender, by race, so that they're could be some accountability. Uh, that law no longer exists. Uh, that was one of the first things Trump did when he took office was say that law is going to hurt companies if they have to report. Um, so, you know, I try not to get too bogged down in, in the depressing statistics and instead look at a more micro level and, and see, you know, within our community of 50,000 women, are they reporting to us that they have found improvement in their individual lives? Uh, and then the next step from there, have they seen the needle move at their companies? You know, have they received budget for their women's group? Um, you know, is there, uh, what are the numbers of women rising up into leadership at their company? Um, and, and being able to take their examples and show the community that yes, it is possible. So I think working backwards, not so much from what we haven't achieved, but taking solace in the small steps that at least some people have been able to take. So that's kind of my non answer. I mean, listen, I've been doing this for three years, so it's just not been enough time to really see things change in a, in a larger, more macro level. Um, but even seeing more articles coming out that that's discussing this topic. I mean, you really can't, you know, Google women in the workplace without seeing a bunch of news articles and, and reportings and interviews on the wage gap, which three years ago, I don't think I ever saw. I mean, I had to really dig to find stats around the wage gap. So the fact that the cultural consciousness has shifted, I mean, that's huge. And and that's always, always the first step. Um, and, you know, not to say we're, we're starting a revolution here, but I'm just going to go for it. Uh, revolutions begin from the bottom up. It's grassroots and, and feeling the enthusiasm that's coming from organizations like mine um, and conversations that you're having. I mean, that's enormous. And we have to have faith that is going to change things. Um, but like I said, 
said, progress isn't linear. So it does require us to be vigilant. Um, and you know, 216 years to close the wage gap. Uh, I bet we can make it smaller, but it's not inevitable. So obviously we have to keep working hard and, and working every day towards it. And so much of it does fall on our shoulders. We have to negotiate. We have to first know what our worth is and, and, and advocate for ourselves. Um, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why the pay gap exists, but one of them I think is the confidence gap and also a knowledge gap. And so when you run workshops and as you've done all this research and you've probably heard from so many women about how um, your programming has helped them, what seems to be something that really sets off the light bulb for, for some women who may be otherwise not confident not prepared to ask for a raise? What's uh, a bit of information that's been really helpful for them to, uh, to, to know or a confidence booster or something that allows this otherwise very difficult thing to do sometimes, which is asking for more money to become simpler and more doable? Mm, I love that question because I realized that, you know, we, we teach women what to say in salary negotiations and, and how to navigate those conversations, but none of it matters if you don't deeply believe that you're worth it. So I think a huge part of our programming focuses more on the foundational stuff, right? Having you really, um, you know, work through things like imposter syndrome, right? This feeling that you don't deserve to be there, that you're somehow a fraud and will be found out, right? And oftentimes women haven't even, they haven't reflected internally about what's going on. They just jump very quickly to what do I say? And it's, that's great. And we'll get there. Uh, but there's, there's some therapy work that needs to happen. And, and I often find that in that therapy work, catharsis comes. Um, and, and I think that's, that's sort of my response to you is, um, you know, women oftentimes come to ladies get paid events. I, I went across the country about a year ago and I hosted these town halls, uh, for, for women to talk about money and work, uh, saw about 6,000 of them went to 19 cities and they had a lot of aha moments when they realized that that they weren't the only ones. So this really goes back to that original essay I wrote that went viral in our inboxes. Um, this, this realization that so often they had felt, uh, isolated or like something was wrong with them, you know, to sit in a meeting and to debate whether or not they should speak up is a very lonely, shameful thing. And so, you know, they wondered, well, am I crazy? Like I clearly am doing good work here. Uh, why am I not speaking up or clearly I'm doing good work here. Why are they not recognizing me? Maybe something's wrong with me and taking that kind of external, uh, lack of validation and internalizing it, uh, making it personal. So, so a lot of the work we do first is working through, um, particularly imposter syndrome, um, undoing perfectionism, um, getting women to really recognize and embrace the wonderful things that they've done. It's often hard, I think for women to, you know, respond to the question, you know, what have you done this year that you're really proud of? Or tell me something about yourself that you think is awesome. Um, they feel like maybe they're bragging, um, or they can articulate it, but not well, or, or not in a way that has been positioned to the company as a benefit to them. Right. Because you can't just go in there, you know, and ask for that raise and say, well, I deserve it or well, I've done this. It needs to be quantified. It needs to be, you know, you need to demonstrate how you impacted the bottom line. Um, but that's getting more into the tactical stuff. So I would say really the first uh, aha moment that happens is, wow, there are a number of ways that I am um, self-sabotaging uh, and it's not my fault and I'm not alone. 
Um, so yeah, so the catharsis and the tears happen first and then, and then it gets better. It always gets better. Yeah, the self-work is definitely foundational. Let's talk about your settlement. I know this was something that um, when I heard about this, I I was really saddened by it, but also um, seeing the support of everybody contributing to the fundraising to help ladies get paid as they battled this lawsuit. Um, Last year, uh, you, I believe, uh, were sued. The company was sued for being sexist. There's apparently some sort of civil rights law that there's, you know, the way that it's written, Put ladies get paid in a position to be sued and by a men's rights activist group. Didn't know they existed, but here we are <laughs> in 2019. I'm very sorry that happened to you. I'm happy to know that you were able to crowdsource a lot of the, um, the legal fees, hopefully. But it does also now beg the question, has your philosophy changed at all around the role of men in I guess how ladies get paid pursues its support of women through um, the act of trying to make more money. Yeah. So I just to sort of, um, the reason that we had our events for female identifying and non-binary people only was because of the way that I started with getting everybody to come together and be very vulnerable with one another in regards to their finances and, and in particular struggles they were having at work, um, usually through the lens of their gender, right? That they felt discriminated against. So, you know, so having men in the room, you know, it would disrupt it. I don't think these women would have felt comfortable enough to share in the way that they were. So when I made that rule, you know, I didn't feel like it was gender discrimination, even though I guess it was, I mean, there was just such a good purpose to it. We have changed that, right? You know, we, we were sued. So we said, let's just let everybody, you know, be involved. And and I should mention, of course, men should be involved. Of course, we should have events that brings everybody together. Of course, we should educate them. But I still say that there is absolute uh, merit to allowing marginalized groups to be able to come together and speak freely. Um, So, you know, for us, it's open. We don't do any programming that's specific to men. Um, I think they're, I mean, it's needed. We need to have men be allies. We need to get buy-in from executives at companies who tend to be men. That's just not what we're focused on, at least for now. You know, we really, our goal is really to make sure that women have the tools to advocate for themselves, essentially saying, you know, get in the driver's seat. Don't wait until somebody hopefully recognizes you, right? Um, And and there's a lot of work there to be done. So that's what we're doing. Um, But, you know, as we grow, who knows? Um, maybe we'll end up having an initiative that gets men more involved. Um, but for now, you know, we're a small team and you can't do everything, at least not all at once. Uh, so we're really focused on the women. Really excited to meet you again at your event in November. Just wanted you to share a little bit more about what we can expect. I know that I'll be on a panel called Big Money. We're going to talk about how to talk about money and be more comfortable with receiving money and asking for it. But you've got a lot of top name speakers, including Sally Krawcheck, and you'll be speaking, of course. So tell us a bit more about the day and what attendees can expect. Sure. Yeah. So the day really is, um, I like to think of it in three parts. It's first, what can you as an individual do to level up in your career and in your life? The second part is how do we get our companies to, you know, institute policies that help all women. Um, most of the women who come to our conference tends to be, you know, middle management or new, new, 
new managers, um, and, and sometimes they feel like they don't have a voice, um, that they can't have influence when it comes to executive decisions. We want to show them that that's not the case. Um, and then the third part is looking in a more general way, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, um, what are larger policies, you know, like getting companies to be transparent? Um, how do you get involved in your community? How do we just look at this from a more holistic view? So you as the individual don't have to feel like you're just struggling alone. Um, so that's how we look at the conference in those three ways. Um, and, and everything's about getting, I would say power in your life. And, and a big focus of that is money. Again, going back to that first town hall. Um, so a lot of conversations around finance, a lot of conversations around career, and then a more general, let's just help each other. No competition. Women are stronger when we are together. So programming's nine to five, big mix of panels, talks, workshops, a thousand attendees will be there. So fantastic networking opportunities. Um, so, so check out, uh, get money dash, get paid dot com. Um, that's where you get all the information and we have a special discount code for you. Um, obviously really excited to see you Farnoosh. Um, and I think everyone can, you know, just look forward to real honest conversations. Uh, none of us have time for bullshit or small talk and, 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 you know, it's one thing to be inspired and I know you're super inspirational, but I think what's most important for everybody is you are going to walk away with action tips. I like to call it, what are you going to do on Monday? There has to be something new that you do. Um, and you're, I'm just so glad that you're there and, and honored, uh, to, to be, um, you know, to be in your world and, uh, and, and to have everybody in our community know about all the great work you're doing. This is such an important event. Absolutely. I wanted to be involved and thank you for producing it. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about Claire Wasserman and maybe take us back to a time in your career pre ladies get paid where you perhaps had a, you know, a moment where you asked for more or what is your personal story behind negotiating and, and earning your worth? Yeah, so I graduated um, in 2009. So there was uh, a, a fantastic recession going on uh, and, and very few jobs. And so when I got a job, I just was so unbelievably grateful. Um, I didn't even think I could negotiate. And quite frankly, if I did know that I could negotiate, I, I probably wouldn't have because I was too afraid to lose the opportunity. Um, I have found a lot of women in my generation um, feel similarly. Uh, we're still kind of scarred from the difficulty we had in looking for work when we graduated. So it's kind of prevented us from, you know, being strong and standing up for ourselves uh, when it, you know, when it's negotiation time. So I didn't even try. Um, so that was no mistake number one. So the other thing that I, I struggled with in my career um, was just trying to be taken seriously. I, you know, I constantly felt like, you know, I would meet somebody for networking. I, I once, there was this guy, I was introduced to him. We were both in experiential marketing and, you know, we were out for dinner and he leans over and tries to kiss me. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, he was older, he was married. I mean, this was outrageous. And his response to me was, well, why did you give me your business card? I mean, time, I can't tell you time and time again, I have been put in situations where I had to figure out how the hell do I get out of this conversation, but move it to a productive place where I can still get business done. Because I'm sorry, you can't just, you know, I'll always say screw you and walk away, right? This is a relationship and you have to figure out how to navigate it where you're not being taken advantage of. And I was put in that situation a lot in, in the 10 years that I worked for other people. So, 
I would call those things maybe more microaggressions. I mean, in that case with that guy, that was pretty aggressive. Um, but my experiences tended to be pretty small and kind of insidious. And, you know, whether it was a man not shaking my hand or looking at me in a group of people, but yet shaking the hand of every other guy. I mean, weird stuff like that. But because it was small, I never considered them, you know, a big deal enough to talk about it or to call it out or even to realize that there was some kind of misogyny or sexism going on there. Um, so when that thing happened at Cannes, it broke open the floodgates. That is what made me realize and reflect on all of those smaller experiences I had throughout my career. So in a way, you know, it's sort of, I guess, nice to have something big happen, uh, happen because it, it forces you to confront it and then hopefully do something about it. Um, so no, no major kind of like sort of negotiation rejection, um, that I ever had, but it was, it was constantly navigating uncomfortable gender power dynamics. That was the constant in my career. Yeah. I think what else I'm also hearing from you and it's so important is we just have to be a little woke. Things like this happen to all of us. And, and like you said, they could be microaggressions, but if they're happening in multiples, hmm. And more importantly, we have to talk about them with others because otherwise you don't know, like you said, you didn't, maybe you're experiencing this in isolation. You think it's just you. If it's something is unsettling to you, it's worth kind of reflecting on that, talking to others about it. You never know what could come of it. Yeah. And I think if something is uncomfortable, um, don't question it. The, the answer is, it's your truth. So it is wrong if it has made you feel that way. And I can pretty much guarantee you that if you're feeling it, so many other women are feeling it too. And they're also probably all wondering if it's their fault. So that should also be an indicator that it is not. Uh, but that's why I started Ladies Get Paid. And we have this massive Slack group where women are specifically, you know, coming in and saying, hey, this thing happened. Like, what do you think about this? What should I do? Has anyone else had this? Um, and you can get a kind of gut check um, from other women because it's one thing to realize you're being discriminated against, but it's another thing to actually like do something and it can be very tricky. Short of having an app for that, there's a Slack group apparently. I didn't know this is amazing where you can tap into other women and as a resource, find out how to negotiate. And if you're, before you go in for that quarterly meeting or what have you, that review, go in with some talking points. I love that. Well, that's how I grew it. You know, after that first event, uh, I didn't have any other events planned. I had no idea that I was going to create Ladies Get Paid. I just knew I wanted to bring women together. Um, and so I created a Slack group and invited all of those women. And it grew from there. And now we've got 50,000 women from wow. all 50 states and more than 120 countries who are essentially crowdsourcing their career advice because they've realized that there is um, a lot of power in the peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, and, and oftentimes you just need to see that you're not alone to have the courage to, to do something about your situation. And, you know, for, for everybody who's listening, I mean, it's free to join. So you just sign up at ladiesgetpaid.com. You will automatically be invited to Slack and go to the introductions channel, say hello. Um, lots of other channels to check out. But yeah, the salary negotiation one, I think, is possibly the most interesting um, because it really gives you a window into these women's lives because the negotiation is about all that they do at their job. And oftentimes it's about what they're afraid of um, and their sort of hopes for their careers and their companies. So, you know, even if you don't participate, it's it's a great place to just sort of peruse. Uh, it's a great window into these yeah. Fly on the wall. Absolutely. Yeah. Great people watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
my very last question, a financial tip I'd love from you. And this is a question that we are doing in partnership with our sponsor for the show, Chase, asking guests, what is one practice that you exercise? Maybe it's an app that you use. It's a ritual, something that helps you achieve financial freedom, um, at least a little bit of financial peace in your life. Well, this is really basic and I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed to say it, um, but listen, in the spirit of being honest about our vulnerabilities, um, checking your bank account is not something that I always did. I had a lot of fear about logging in and seeing how much was or really wasn't in my bank account. Um, I just had a lot of shame about my money. I, I knew that every time that I looked at my checking account that I would probably be frustrated um, at what I, you know, the lack of funds that I had. And um, so I just never looked at it. And so of course that turned into overdraft fees. Um, and it just also meant I was constantly worried because I wasn't operating off of information. And oftentimes when I finally did check it, it always had more than I thought. And so oh, like, well, then, then it was like, <laughs> what am I doing feeling like crap all the time? I could have solved it by just simply logging in. So I know it's simple, but you got to make it a practice of just looking at it looking at the numbers uh, and then of course making a plan for them. But it does begin with, um, you know, in, in not being afraid to confront your financial reality, whatever it may be. Log in ladies. I love it. (laughs) Claire Wasserman. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you in November. It's going to be here before we know it. And thank you so much again for all of your work and support and not giving up on us. Thank you. Thank you for news. See you in a month or so. Thanks so much to Claire for joining us. And remember, for tickets to the conference in November, go to ladiesgetpaid.com slash so money and use the promo code so money 15 for 15% off your ticket. And that's on November 2nd. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. So money.